Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Josh Coker here, AKA Josh Miss Prime. And in this very first episode of Pillow Talk, you're going to find myself and my wife, the lovely, the beautiful, the intelligent, Suzanne Sherwood, talking about relationship advice because both of us have been together for about 10 years and we have been through some shit. So if you're looking for some advice on how to keep things alive and thriving in a relationship throughout the years, throughout the course of decades with uh, family members and kids and and work and moves and travel and military and all kinds of stuff, this is the episode for you. So go ahead, check it out and enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Josh Coker and Suzanne Sherwood. And this is our first episode of what we're tentatively calling quote unquote pillow talk. Pillow talks. Why why are we calling it pillow talk? Because we're laying in bed at the end of the night talking. <laughs> Which is usually what we do. So we thought we'd record it. Right. Susan and I I have my own podcast. We listen to podcasts all the time. And like she said, a lot of times at night, we'll come into bed and we kind of recap the day and some interesting things that we've talked about. And we end up talking about shit just like you would in a podcast anyway. So we we thought to ourselves, like, why not create some content? So that's what we're doing today. And what do you think on, like... What, like, walk me through what what has kind of gotten us into this whole podcast fever lately? We had kind of heard about podcasts through other YouTube channels that we watched. I mean, we're pretty um, reliably on Instagram now. We were old people Facebooking it for a while. <laughs> We switched to Instagram, and then they would say, check out our podcast. Um, so we knew that that was the way to go. And I think that for the last few years, like Susie said, like we're kind of old school social media. We mainly stuck to YouTube and Facebook. But some of the people that we follow the most, particularly Gary Vee and Tom Bilyeu, is that how you say his name? Yeah. Uh, they have podcasts, and Gary Vee specifically is constantly harking on podcasts for creating new content and things like that. So um, we already create content in a lot of different areas, but this was kind of new for us. And like I said, I've been toying around, and I already started a little bit of one, and it's really easy. And the reason why we like it it's because it's easy. That's just yes. like we just like easy. We like simple and easy. But there are a couple there are a couple reasons why it's beneficial for us and then also for you. One, it's beneficial for us because it's it's like like Susie said, we're laying in bed right now and we're talking. Like 
How okay. easy is that? You know? Yes. And unlike a YouTube video, which we also have, I have a YouTube channel, but like Susie's on it. We talk about business stuff. Um, unlike a YouTube channel, you don't have to worry about where the camera is angled and how it's set up and things like that. It's just way easier. Furthermore, or like if you look at it from the viewer perspective or the listener perspective, a podcast is easier because since there is no visual element to it, you can listen to it in your bed or while you're doing the dishes or while you're working out at the gym or while you're driving to, to work or school or whatever, wherever you go, it just makes it really easy. And then something that another person that we listen to all the time, Joe Rogan, one of our favorites, <laughs> uh, he, he was talking about, and I hadn't even thought about this, um, unlike other mediums, because you can bring your phone anywhere and podcasts are relatively available on a- any device, you could be listening in the car, take it to all these places we just mentioned, like you're listening to it in the car, then you pause it, you go to the gym, and you pick up right where you left off while you're working out. Then after you go to the gym, you go to eat. Like every place that you can go to at home, at work, anywhere, it's fairly easy to listen to. So um, for us, we we believe in legacy, right? right? And so for us, creating content like this, sort of documenting our lives and also – um, creating a, a type of legacy content for our family members for when we're older and when we're gone. Right. So that's big goal, but like, um, like a big goal, like I want to get healthy. You have to break it down into what's the easiest thing to do and sustainable. So not having to set up a camera, make sure it's on the stand, make sure the background is okay, make sure the two of us are looking at the camera at different points, not doing video. Um, podcast is a little more sustainable for that. And then we already listen to audiobooks a lot. A so, lot. Oh, right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a staple of what we listen yeah. to. So <laughs> podcast is, it, it's right up that alley and it just, it makes sense. It makes sense in so many different ways. And one thing that I think we're neglecting, but this is one of the major reasons that we're doing a podcast, the two of us, is that Susie and I, over the years, have, for those, well, many of you may not know because this is the first podcast, but we've been together for over 10 years now, over a decade. She's yeah. looking at me <laughs> with scared eyes, like, holy shit, I can't believe it's been that long. Yes. It's been over a decade. And in order to stay together that long and have such a close relationship like we do, it's constantly doing new things and growing in towards your goals and to, or towards like the same goals, I would say. Right. And so doing something like this, it's almost selfish for both of us in that sense. Like right. it's a way that we can spend time together while also it's we're killing like multiple birds with one stone. Uh, but one of those major birds is is our relationship. It's a it's a way for us to spend time together and do something that's um, constructive and that we both believe in. That you know, so and that's right. 
that's one of the main things that we intend on focusing or one of our main focuses for this podcast is going to be what are some activities that people who are in uh, long-term monogamous, monogamous relationships, what, what are some activities that they can do? And just to give you some back, actually, I'll have Susie give you some background, kind of tell them like, you know, like our history in, in terms of like, you know, we haven't always just lived in the same place, you know? Right. So I would start broader as um, if you imagine the person you were 10 years ago, it, I would hope it's a different person than you are now. Like you've grown. If you haven't grown, that's, that's a separate thing that you probably want to take care of. But um, you expect to grow in 10 years. And you expect your partner to grow in 10 years. You should expect your partner to grow in 10 years. Whenever people say they're just not the person I married, but it's been 10 years, I certainly hope they aren't. I hope, I hope they aren't the 20, early 20-something 20 person that you married. Right. You don't, you, <laughs> you think you want, you don't want that. Yeah, and I look back at, at like early 20-something Josh dating really, really young Susie and all I can think is like, I can't believe she was with me. <laughs> so. I, I think the same. But so that's kind of the basis. And our the mindset we had at the time was a, a corporate mindset and a growth mindset of like um, progressing in the career. You had like a checklist of items, right? It's like, okay, family, you have you have kids, you have a house, you get, you do this, you do this, and you check off all the marks. And we've found that even when we checked off all the marks, there was, uh, we want, there we was were left, more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was, yeah. we, we, there was an intangible that was still kind of missing. It definitely. And we grew it different ways because Josh was definitely the first one that said, hey, I think I want to do my own thing. I don't think I want to keep other, running yeah. this rat race. I don't, I don't yeah. think this is going to... Th- I think I want to do my own thing. I'm capable of doing it. And I was scared. I was like, I don't know. What do you mean you're going to start a YouTube channel? Uh, okay, so you're going to work full-time and do a YouTube channel. Okay, you do that. You're writing this book. Okay. I'm going to give you time to write. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> the, so there's, um, I mean, everyone knows this about relationships, but I think you know it as a factual information, but in practice it's a little more difficult. But managing your expectations of your relationship is huge. Definitely. Huge. And... um I think it isn't until recently till I've seen all that goes into and heard some of the heavy hitters talk about the time and effort that you have to put into entrepreneurship to fail miserably many times before possibly being successful eventually. And I think of all the times that I was upset with him that we weren't spending time together and it puts a different perspective. But right. as I grew. And, and I think we both look back and see that we approached... The, we, we just joked about the not having time to write. But in all fairness, 
I didn't know like now I'm at a place where I know what my writing tempo is I know what my like what my strengths and my weaknesses are I, I know how to get books out now but at that time I was still trying to cultivate that aspect of my repertoire so I didn't know really what I needed and some some parts of it too was just like technology but I do want to touch on something to just kind of deviate from this conversation a little bit that you said, which was once we got a lot of those check marks like kids, big house, nice job, all of all of those things, we were very satisfied with our lives. We don't want to sound like we're complaining. Like we've all we are very blessed. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag hashtag. No, no. But but um we it really proved to us or it really made the the old saying that it's not about the destination it's about the journey it really helped us internalize that because yeah. once we got to those destinations it was like okay so what's next and in some regards for example i had a job at one point where i was making over six figures but there were certain aspects of it that were very miserable and when i compare that to where we are now even though financially it's not as like i guess you know easy it life while life wise it's for i think for everybody and i'm not just talking about her and i but like the kids as well it's a lot more fulfilling agree it's a lot more fulfilling and um so it's been a long journey and what so the main thing i wanted to say though when i asked Suze to kind of describe like what we've been through for those of you who are listening in it's your first time you're trying to get a feel for who we are we we met in the military like i said roughly a decade ago and we have not been together like like consistently throughout the whole time and i don't mean like we broke up or anything but like we were we were deployed different places or i guess you could say pcs different places overseas across the country so we've spent any roughly two and a half to maybe three years apart yeah in that and it wasn't all at one one time it was like little pieces here and there and everywhere a year here right six months here a couple months here a couple weeks here yeah. but when you combine all that together, it takes, like Susie was saying, it takes a great deal of effort. And it also requires two things for you to continue to grow and change. But at the same time, growing and change, like the relationship grows and changes. And you with your partner, if you're growing separately, like in different directions, that also doesn't help. Right. And while we have, for the most part, grown in the same directions, there have been times where we didn't. Right. And so, like, those were areas that we had to look into. Well, that was why I brought up the entrepreneurship part, because we could, that was that was definitely a fork where you sprinted ahead and I was still holding on to what I thought it was supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah. And we navigated that in a way that we made our goals 
align better. We started growing together. You were patient with and remembered that at the age when you were at the age I was, you right. weren't ready for the that talk either. So um, it just it takes both people really sharing your goals as they come too, not being and being like, open minded yeah, and yes. supportive because when what what Susie's talking about is right after I got out of the military and before I started government contracting I I also I was right around 30 or maybe I just hit 30 I just read a a business book called The 4-Hour Workweek most of you may most of you that are listening to this probably know it but it's written by Tim Ferriss he's a best-selling author but in it it really opened my eyes to like you could li- basically live a lifestyle where you don't have to like make a ton of money, but you can still survive and r- kind of run your own ship rather than working for someone else. And I don't want it to sound like I have a hard time working for other people. I've always excelled in, in the places that I've worked and so is Sue's. But when you spend all of your time doing well and excelling on other people's projects and dreams then it starts to kind of eat away at you and you start to think about it and and you start to say like all right what am i gonna leave behind like why am i spending all of this effort for someone else's thing and and ultimately you don't have the final say in a lot of those you know projects that you you work on so it doesn't matter how much you love your boss or you enjoy your friends or anything like that. At the end of the day, none of that stuff is yours. You don't own it, you know? I think mine was that I had to sacrifice the things I cared about for this growth and potential within the within whatever position I had. So in right. the military, it's like you I mean, it's nice that you have your family. That's great you're going to do whatever they, I mean, they're going to have first priority. And even when, but it's not just the military. There's plenty of positions that people are in and because of finances or because of whatever, the, your job is telling you, no matter how great of a worker you are, when they're telling you you're coming in on Christmas Eve, you're coming in on Christmas Eve. Right. Or you're quitting and going through the mess of finding another position right. where somebody else may also tell you that you're coming in on the weekends and on Christmas Eve. And again, we don't want it to sound like we've worked many Christmas Eves and Thanksgivings and holidays and actually yeah. had no problem with it at all. <laughs> uh, that's not the, the bigger point is when when you work for someone else, whether it's the government or whether it's a, a an employer they kind of have the final say as to like what you're going to do. Right. Well, that and, I say and, that cuz my values is time with family. Oh, I agree. I'm not I'm just so clarifying value, for the audience. If your value is something else though, right. if you want to take vacations or plan a trip, if your thing is Or your is health, trips, maybe you're worried or, about your health, you know, and, Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. The one of the big eye openers for us was like I said, we spent several years apart. And most of that was due to business related things like like not our like like military 
really. And so, um, not that, I mean, of course, it was cool to be able to go and travel all those places. And Susie and I, like, there was one time where she was uh, sent across the country. So she was living in California, and I was living in um, Maryland. And so, almost every month, roughly, we would eat, one of us would take a flight to visit the other. Right. And while that was very expensive, those are the kind of sacrifices you have to make to maintain the relationship. But right. it's like we would never have had to do that if we were if she hadn't been in the military at the time. So, you know, so that's the kind of thing that those are the kind of situations. And that's the kind of pain that we experienced in real life to kind of bring us to this mindset of like, yeah, maybe you're not going to make uh, like as much money, but to be able to be in full control of when you get to be with your family. And again, like Susie said, it's your value system. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you're single. Oh, I don't know why you would be listening to a podcast about relationships. But uh, if that's the case, though, like whatever your values are, if it's health and you want to go to the gym all the time, but your work is keeping you from doing that, you really should consider do does does the office that your office space that you're working in or the employer you're working for are their goals and values really in line with yours? Because right. that's that's really important. Mm. Another big thing aside from like like some people are just gonna prefer to work for someone else because it's it's a lot safer or your family situation doesn't allow or warrant you to do anything else. That's totally cool. We're not yeah. suggesting that everybody has to be entrepreneur or business owner. Sure. But what you should do is take a deep look at your relationship with your employer and the company that you work for because if the values aren't aligned, like you have to think mm. the majority of your life is spent at work and the majority of the people you hang around are the people that you work with. So if you don't like either your work, like like what you do, or the people you hang around, that means the majority of your life you're spent doing like meet when I say meaningless, I mean meaningless work in the sense like it has no meaning for your life. And I think ultimately that's what uh helps people kind of stay sane is is knowing that what they're doing has a meaning which is why for Susie and I having like ownership over our stuff has been very important because whether we screwed up or we did great we own it and it has meaning to our overall life goals right and talking to the legacy aspect I don't know Susie if you if you want to or not but like doing a podcast, doing a YouTube video, creating a product, creating a business, all of these things can be the um, the word I'm the only word I can think of is bestowed, but that's not the word. Like passed down, that's what I meant. Passed down from generation to generation. And a thing that I love that Gary Vee has been touching on a lot in his podcast is this generation is the first generation where all of this content is being created. So in a sense, 
we are like the patriarchs and the matriarchs of our family. Mm. So decades from now, when our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren are tracking back their ancestry, we're going to be the foundational members, our generation, this generation that's alive now. And all of this content, like who knows, like right now, our great-great-great-great-grandkids could be listening to it. And we don't even know. And in a sense, it's like we're time traveling, having this conversation with them. They get to know, like, their, their not their ancestry, but, like, this is the kind of people that, that their family came from. Like, you know, we were cuckoo bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to watch what I say now. Maybe I don't want to share that. Yeah, that's a new concept for me. I heard that same podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I had never thought about it from from a legacy standpoint. Um, a lot of times, people talk about content in negative light, as they're saying it's more self-serving. But what I don't think that people realize is, um, this is like, if you compare it to a mother who always takes pictures of their children but never takes pictures of herself and her children (laughs) when the children get older and in the unfortunate occurrence that their mother passes away but in the inevitable occurrence the inevitable occurrence right that they don't want to see themselves as a baby I mean they do but they also they would rather see themselves and their mother together being held. So, um, possibly a lot of the selfies, I'm going to go ahead and maybe link that to being self-serving, and they should probably consider that their grandchildren will also see that content. <laughs> um, I think that's going to be kind of like when the when the uh, camera first came out, though. Like, if you look at all those photos, like, people didn't smile. It, it, someone said it, that, like, it... They look like prison photos almost, like the first photos. But that's kind of sets like that time frame. That's just the way people were. I have a feeling that maybe it'll just be a few decades from now. Maybe it'll be 100 years from now. But at some point, that selfie thing is kind of going to go away. But it'll be replaced by something else. Maybe it'll be an uppie. And, like, pictures will be taken from, like, above your head. I don't know. Or, like, below, like, at shoe level. Who knows? But, like, I think... Patent. Trademarked word. Copyright. And up, yeah. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. The uppy and the downy. <laughs> but, um, I d- you're right, though. Like, people are going to look back and, and say, like, what the hell were they doing? But it's just like when you look at, like, what was it, the 70s with bell bottoms. I was thinking about this the other day, like, who the hell thought it was a good idea to wear bell bottoms? It's all right. They're coming back. Yeah. They just make it full circle. <laughs> but the thing is, for especially quality content, that's going to be amazing for your, for the next generations to see. Right. And to experience. And for those who have a business stint on any of the content that they're making, the thing that I think legacy wise is very important is that can be then transferred to your family for other aspects 
So I'll I'll just give you an example, or or like a yeah. An ex- here's an example. J.R.R. Tolkien passed away, but his son is now carrying on the legacy with the books and and kind of overseeing the estate with the video games and stuff like that. That's a very important legacy to be able to take on. I think in the same way, people who whose parents, grandparents, whatever, are doing what we're doing now, if there's any kind of business stint, something related to that, that, they, that they're doing, that can be then passed on. For example, if the Neuronet ever becomes a thing, which I think it will, other people may not. Elon Musk is on board with me, though. <laughs> if that became a thing, then all of the content that's digitized right now could just be transferred over there and then what you have is, um, like, it's very easy for them to create new products with existing content and material. So to me, that's, um, like, it's a, it's a great gift to be able to give to your family. And I know this is, like, kind of c- completely off topic, but these are things that Susie and I think about. Right. And, again, one of the main reasons why we decided to create this podcast to begin with um so still related in terms of why we created the podcast yeah for you know sure what? i was just thinking when you were describing that i was thinking about iron man the movie you know mm. how he sees the tapes of his dad yeah that's like exactly that's video version of exactly what exactly. we were talking about but yeah. still like in a in a huge way like that's some quality quality content even if it's not the most updated camera right and right it's it has value and that's actually um Susie mentioned it like the when I first brought up making a YouTube channel she was a little scared or whatever and I was too to be honest because I didn't know what I was doing I just there's something inside of me that said this is going to be a thing and I already at the time felt like I had like I was behind the curve by not having created anything in my life before that was for me. Mm-hmm. And so now now we're about a decade, well maybe not even a decade, about 6 or 7 years into this. And starting the podcast, I I found that um I Susie already knows this, so this is like kind of recapping, but like mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know, if you want to start a podcast and you have a YouTube channel or some video-related type of channel, if you can get the MP3 version of the episodes, you can upload them and make them into podcasts. So for me, that was great. It was like, oh my gosh, all the content that I had already created, I can now repurpose into podcasts that will serve a different audience and hopefully expand the the level of value that I'm adding to to the world, right? So for me, that's like a super, and it's something I had never considered when I started the YouTube channel at all. And that's that's the kind of thing that you you don't know what you have until years later. So you got to start like yesterday. <laughs> And I remember thinking, like, those first few years, I remember thinking, like, 
Why has it taken me so long to start trying to write a book? Why has it taken me so long to start doing a YouTube channel? But like Susie said, there was a time in my 20s and my teens, I was working for the government. And I remember my father would ask me about like starting my own business or doing things like that because he's always been an entrepreneur. And I was like, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. I have a stable government job i get paid all the time like consistently i don't have to it's so safe that was like that was my biggest thing was safety and and for a lot of people that is the biggest thing and there's nothing wrong with that right if that's your top value then right yes but it's interesting for me to look back at old josh and think like i can't believe I would I would be eating my I am eating my words, <laughs> like old Josh and 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 this Josh would would have had a very different conversation back then. Like we would have argued a lot <laughs> because I thought it was just absurd for someone to try to go out on their own because I didn't see the value in having ownership over your own stuff. For sure, that was a big thing. I also had this misconception that in order for it to be legitimate, it has to be large and complex. So I first started teaching violin lessons when when I Josh was trying to tell me about entrepreneurship and he's like, for instance, why don't you teach? You know how to play violin. I was in a community orchestra. And I said, I'm not, I don't have a degree. I'm not qualified to do that. And he was like, what? (laughs) There are plenty of violin teachers and viola teachers that as long as you have the, the talent and you know what you're doing and you're able to teach because you could be the single best musician in the entire world and a trash teacher, like a terrible, terrible at actually translating that skills, especially to a small person. Like, it's it's a separate art altogether to teach. And I have that, but I didn't have a degree. And the reality is that it didn't matter. Because I, I thought in order for it to be good, it had to be complex. And it was as simple as asking the community center if they needed someone to teach violin and they said yes and then i started (laughs) but it took so long to convince her (laughs) to to do something like that because she just didn't think that she had the credentials and that's the funny thing a lot of people who do have credentials end up not even using them for to do something with them and and then, for example, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, I have a clo- someone who's close to me who's somewhat of a mentor to me, and they have several credentials under their name, uh, and they really want to write a book. But, and I think that their book would be great. I think that they would go on to do good things with them. They've already been told by certain business organizations that if they wrote a book that they would get speaking engagements with that business organization. But this person, like, in their mind, 
they have this preconceived notion about what the book should be rather than just writing what they know off. I don't want to say off the cuff, but that really, when it comes to writing a book, but I think more than writing a book, like in a lot of different arenas, it really should be like as organic as possible. And, and so unfortunately, here's this person that has a PhD, several other credentials under their name, and they're missing out on opportunities and they're not reaching their fullest potential because they're kind of caught in their head about what it should be rather than what it is. They're like in a fantasy land about, and in the writing, in, in like, not in the writing world, but like in, on my YouTube channel and things like that, anything that's related to writing and publishing and authorship, I call this, the, my nickname for this is the aspiring author syndrome. But there, it's really the aspiring anything syndrome. <laughs> the aspiring musician, the aspiring right. chef. I don't, I don't, the aspiring actor. Like, in their head, they make it more complicated, like Susie said, yeah. than what it actually is. Yeah. And actually, I went to a business expo today. And uh, there are a lot of, like upstarting small businesses and stuff that were out there and a lot of them get so caught up in like minutia because they think in their minds that the minutia is important about like what their cards look like what their present and while that does play some role it really you know in an event like that it really boils down to just talking to people striking up a conversation having a real life organic conversation with a real life person and so some of them just sat there the whole time they didn't engage with anybody and and i because i've interacted with these people before i know that they have value that they can add to other people but again in their mind they 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 expect certain things so it's just it it's crazy because i see it all the time I think the best part of that though is to have self-awareness is the most awesome cure cure for that absolutely if you understand that you are going to be hesitant at an event like that to speak to people then you'll notice when you're actually doing it instead of just making excuses for it right or trying to talk yourself out of it or plan yourself around it um those and that's so coming full circle that's that's really relationship success a huge key as well like knowing yourself and what you're bringing what your motivations are what your what you could do better and, and just, being completely honest with your partner right about what you can and can't do right but i mean so personally my struggle has more been me being honest with myself about what I can and can't do it's my expectations for me were definitely not realistic they they still are in constant check because <laughs> I, I struggle with realistic expectations for myself like I can't handle all this and for a lot of the things that I try to handle I probably shouldn't yeah 
it's unfortunate. We're we're just as guilty of this as anybody, but it's unfortunate that most people set goals and dreams and and all of these things based on like some strange elusive standard that humankind has put in place but no like half the stuff we, we like if you really looked at it like you probably don't care about it as much and if you're ever in the situation where you have to do it you end up re- it's just like what we said like once you get the check marks you're like ah that wasn't that big of a deal and it's it, it's it's the same thing it's like you you spend a lot of time and energy trying to hit check check marks that if you really looked at it you're like why do i care about this so much one of the big things for Susie and i was education for our kids maybe you can speak to that just a little bit (laughs) um so we i have um two older step kids and we have we have one together um and Josh's children from previous marriage, my stepchildren, who I love. I've known them for years and years and years, and they've been amazing. I am so obsessed with schooling that I it was, I put education above my relationship with them. Because I think inside I'm a tiger mom. But <laughs> <laughs> I was so focused on it that it was really it was really damaging my relationship with them and it was hurtful for them and I didn't I didn't see that cuz I thought I was just helping them grow I was helping them understand what's really important which right. is what I think is important but it wasn't just Susie it was me too and the other thing is Susie and I both come from similar backgrounds where when we were kids we were not necessarily the straight A kids but like we were we we got pretty good grades throughout Right. right and and we weren't necessarily the brown nosers but we made sure that our stuff was taken care of so that we could go out and do things as teenagers and stuff right. we realized because we both have siblings that were the complete opposite that not everybody is built that way right. what it's hard for a parent to do sometimes is to realize that your kids aren't going to be like you and the funny thing is is that our daughter the one that Susie and I have together is a lot like us like she's a straight a student and all this other stuff but my other two kids they're they're highly intelligent and super great personalities but it's just not the way they're built right so it it was a learning lesson for us but again when we sat down and we evaluated like when we when we started to feel the pain in we turn, felt a lot of yeah, pain. Yeah, a lot of pain. Figuring it out. Yeah. A lot. But once we did and we sat down and we looked at it and it's like, why do we care so much? Because like I said, again, once we looked at it, it's like the kids are the kids are highly intelligent. They're they're very, they're very capable. They're going to do just fine when they get older. Right. It really calibration wise, they're very Right. They're very like mature they they hold conversations they don't they're not just stuck in their devices right. the whole time when we're together as a family they're ideal children when you take them out into the real world where it matters right they so, po- they possess a lot of skill sets and abilities that i think 
will um, will do them very well, no matter what they decide to do when they enter the workforce or try to do their own thing. But it's like when we sat down and looked at it, it's like why why do we care so much? Right. And it wasn't even because we were like that. Because like I I have never cared one way or the other if my kids were like me and and had good grades or didn't like the grades don't matter to me and in a lot of ways i think Susie and i are both somewhat opposed to the current education system the way it's built because i maybe maybe Susie's give me a face like maybe she isn't but <laughs> i know me personally i think it has room to grow especially after elementary like high school and college to me all they're trying to do is build workers and they're not teaching people and and the unfortunate thing is the the worker that they're trying to build towards is like a worker that was was relevant in the in the 20th century but not in the 21st century in the 21st century and as as technology develops and things go forward I think the term worker is going to be completely changed because just like Susie and I were having a conversation earlier, like robots and technology are taking over a lot of automated tasks. And so people really need to know how to interact with other people, how to critically think and creatively think. And that's not really being taught in schools, especially past the elementary level. That's my personal how to bond and have close relationships with people. Right. Emotional intelligence. Yes. Those social are, acuity. Those are things that AI can try and can mimic as closely as possible, but can I, I, it'd be difficult for me to imagine that they could replace altogether. Right. So, so that's just one example where we got caught up in like that quote-unquote social norm and it was dictating what we were doing to the detriment of our family and our value system right and we and and we had to take a step back and it's not always easy and sometimes we still fall into the same rut but but overall i think we've come a long way because the first it's like Susie said the first thing is self-awareness you have to identify there's a problem and nine times out of ten, that problem is you. And <laughs> then you have yeah. to, and then you have to realize, like, if you're ever gonna get past that, you have to change the way you're doing things. You're not gonna change anybody else. You have to know what part of the problem is you as well, and yeah. what part of it is not you. Yeah, because that's the part you can change, and right. the other part you can't. Your your power is in the part that's you. So if you want it all to be you. Awesome. Do that. Change that. Change what do what you can do with what you have. You you have to accept responsibility for what is you first. That's like step 1, which your ego is going to fight cuz it puts you in kind of a vulnerable position. And the ego does I it doesn't seem like my ego likes vulnerability very much. I 100% agree. And I feel like the older I get and, like, the more I look at it from this new perspective, most people who are being, their, like, personal growth is being stunted, it's because of ego. 
Yeah. It's because they can't accept that there's something that they are doing or believing that is wrong. And it's it's kind of it's weird because I think most for me most of my growth has happened when I identified something that I was doing wrong. And then even in our relationship too cuz they like relationships are almost like their own person. <laughs> most of the things that we have done wrong or most of the growth that we've had in our relationship has come at times when we've identified that we were doing something wrong or looking at things in the wrong way. And I don't I I mean that in like like various different aspects of our relationship. I get like not just one like there's so many different aspects where it one the one that comes to my mind the most is that is it goes back to that like it took us so many years to get out of the government jobs despite how many times it burned us <laughs> and how yeah. many problems it caused for us yeah um having to move and be away from our family and and all that stuff right i think the important part of that too is to not look at it in terms of shame like i can't believe it took us that long but to appreciate like the journey that you go on the whole thing is the journey. That's the good stuff. Not yeah. the destination. Yeah. Sometimes I forget that. Yeah, it's it's never good to feel the pain, but without that pain and that challenge, it's like, you know, if things were always perfect, life would definitely be boring. Right. Because then there would be nothing to really strive for. And it's the same thing with relationships. Like, if things were always perfect, you would get bored with that person. True. So, that's why Susie's bored all the time, because I'm perfect. True. <laughs> but you, it's, when you're doing this growth together and individual growth while you're growing together, like, removing the shame piece of that, even with your partner and with yourself, is so important because if you're ashamed of what you did, then you're probably going to be less honest with your partner about it because you're not ready to tell them. You're not ready to admit it to yourself. Yeah. You're going to avoid doing some of the healing things you need to do. And if you're ashamed of your partner and what they've done, then you're not going to be the most supportive partner that you could be for them. Right. And that's another thing that I think Susie and I early early on what made the bond really strong and I would highly recommend this to any any level of couple that you're at like like whether you're just starting out you're established you've been together for even longer than us is like encouraging the other person to embrace their dark side and letting them know that it's okay and you'd be, I think you'd be surprised at how, how much it would benefit you as well. Because when you know somebody's dark side, and not all of it is always fun or good to know, but like when you know it and they know that you know it, it's almost like you have this secret little <laughs> club that only the two of you are in. 
And because of that, it creates a like a whole nother layer layer not only to your relationship but to life. Like as you're walking around with interacting with other people, there's like double meanings to things. It, it's just right. you know a lot of people though they leave up masks because they're afraid of being vulnerable they're right. afraid of being rejected and maybe they're a little shame like Susie was saying maybe they're a little ashamed of their themselves and i know when i first met Suze, i was ashamed of some of the behaviors that i took on and because of how accepting she was of me and she still is of me because there are some vices that i have that i know are just me and I don't even consider them vices anymore in a sense because they're just a part of who I am. And because she's been so accepting of them, it's made the relationship deeper and it's allowed for us to experience a lot of things that I don't think other people could ever experience because they never get past those, those levels, you know? I agree. I mean, I have vices too, but my some of my vices I've wanted to change, and I, the pro the change process is very long, and you've always been really patient with that. Even when I state like thirty times over two years that I want to start changing, but I don't actually do any of the steps that it takes to make that change. Well, and there are some vices that definitely, you know, should be, you should, you should really look at your vices and ask yourself if they're serving you or not. Right. And and your motivation, why, like, why do I have this? Right. What, What is the real need that comes, that's the center of this? Because, like, what Susie just said about it taking two years to, to do it, it took me longer to quit smoking. And that was one of the big things when we first got together. I smoked all the time. All the time. And I always told her, like, I wanted to quit. And it took me years, didn't it? Yeah. And it I was a slow push. process. And Susie, yeah, yeah, she didn't. She never pushed. She She didn't really encourage, but she was, like, <laughs> she was pretty cool with it either way. But it was just something in my mind that, like, I had an accountability to her because I didn't feel like it was self-serving. And I knew for the life that I wanted to live and the life that I wanted to have with our children, I I knew that smoking was not congruent with those goals. And so while it took me a long time and several failed attempts, it's been years since I smoked now. Because I just kept at it. And, and like I said, I had someone who was there who was very accepting of the flaw. But also, like, she didn't push or anything. You know, it was like, right. I'll help you if I can. But I'm not going to, like, yell at you for smoking or anything like that. It's important to note that your flaw didn't come up against a core belief of mine. True. I True. didn't. I didn't have anything that really, like, I didn't have anything in my past that made me think smokers are bad people or these problems were caused I didn't I didn't have any of that um so it's important to note that there are some things that you may need to just love the person and say 
but we're not right for each other. Yeah. This is, this is why these conversations are so important early in the relationship. Yeah, and then also agreeing that you're not... And this is another thing that we'll probably talk on much more in other episodes. And I apologize if you hear all this. I'm moving the phone. Um, is that there were several points in our relationship, and I'm sure there there may come even, even in the future, that um, we've had to sit down and say, like, hey, maybe we don't need to be together anymore. And a lot of it wasn't even, like... It had nothing to do with love or not wanting to be with the person. It was just life circumstances. Those deployments and stuff that we were talking about, we seriously sat down and said, like, okay, so are we going to stay together? Are we going to do this long-term thing? Are we going to open up the relationship to, to allow each other to date other people? Like, we've been very open to those things, knowing that, like, the decisions you make from day to day, like they're, they, they don't last to eternity because the world changes. Right. Circumstances change. And the more fluid you can be and communicate freely and openly about those things, right. the easier it is, you know. Right. And those, those conversations, they came from a place of love, too. Like I, I selfishly want things to stay the same but I love you enough to want you to have something that is fulfilling for you yeah yeah and I I think that's one of the main things that we've always done is like while we're always trying to pursue togetherness Mm -mm. we're never we're we never uh what's the word like we never we never throw out the the possibility possibility. that that maybe we shouldn't be together right you know like there may come a time when it doesn't make sense right that's what that's what i was saying about coming full circle again um that's what i was saying about changing over i mean 10 years is a, a a spread and that's I know we're just at the beginning. Every year we're just at the beginning. Right. <laughs> the other thing that I I only recently had this sort of epiphany is, you know, there are several things that are changing for the generations that live now and that go forward that other generations never had, which I think changes the dynamics of relationships. Because of technology the amount of experiences you can have with one person and the speed in which you can have them, it, j- it just doubles. And what I mean is like, for example, back in the old days, if someone was, uh, if a couple was together or they were married and there was all they had, like the, the guy was in the military and he went off to fight some war, all they had was letters to communicate. And then eventually phones, and even then it was like hard to contact. So like the amount of the amount of interaction that you could have simply because of technology was limited. And now it doesn't matter where you go. Some people their almost their entire relationships are online. There are some people who, like gamers, they spend more time in the virtual world than they do in reality. So you couple things like that where technology is allowing and 
one more technology thing is like dating apps and things like that where you can meet like so many people so fast. But then on the flip side, you also have people are living significantly longer. And like for Susie and I's generation, the the projections are people are going to averagely live to 100 or longer. So that means people who get in relationships, especially early on in their 20s and 30s, they're going to be maintaining relationships for 60, 70 plus years. That's very, very unheard of because most people didn't even live that long in previous generations. So you just, there, to, to, religious beliefs aside, to, to sit down and say that it's, it's, impossible that you will never change it over the course of 70 years you know like that's just that's nuts right i hope i change over 70 years no but what i mean is like like you can't that you would never change your decision or that think circumstances would never change that much Okay, ladies and gentlemen, hope you liked that episode. Hope you found some value in that information. And if you did, go ahead and give it a like. If you're on iTunes, please give us a review. That helps us out. And if you haven't already, feel free to subscribe however your podcast platform allows you to. Other than that, you can catch me on all the social media, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchatta, and all those other things. Uh, my username is usually at Josh Prime, J-O-S-H-U-M-U-S-P-R-I-M-E. And, or sometimes, like on YouTube, you can just look up Josh Coker. For Suze, her, her thing, she, she's not as active on social media but hers is um auto Susie on instagram so auto like autobot and then i think it's underscore Susie. okay hope you liked that episode and we will catch you in the next one peace